Land. This is your host of Psych and Sales, David Weiss. And as usual, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Dr. Aaron Weiss. You want to say hi, Annie? Hey, everyone. And on today's episode of Psych and Sales, we have a good friend of mine, friend of the show, Scott Barker. So for the folks who don't know Scott, and I feel like everybody knows Scott at this point, but he runs uh, partnerships um, and revenue for Sales Hacker. He is one of Outreach's biggest raving evangelists and fans, and you see him all over the place interviewing and talking to people about uh, sales engagement and the ways Outreach can help. He also started this awesome newsletter called The Forecast, which is incredible, giving it actionable advice to sales folks every single uh, week. Um, actually, is it day? Is it day at this point? It's week, right? It's it is week. That was right. All right. Yeah. I would get too consumed if it was every day. All right. That's a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't get you know. anything done. And then he's also a consultant and advisor and just generally all around good dude that tries to help anybody he can. So, Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Happy. Happy to be here. And uh, I think it's really cool what you both have, have put together with this podcast. So happy to be here. Tell, uh, tell the audience who may not know you, who is Scott Barker? What are you about? What do you like to do? Um, take why, us are through, you here? why are you here? Take <laughs> us through your journey a little bit, man. Sounds good. Uh, who I am? Still figuring that out. So to be determined. Um, but I think uh, I have this on my, I, my LinkedIn. And I will say, where I like to kind of spend my time. So I would like to spend my life and who I like to think I am is solving interesting problems with interesting people. And while I'm doing that, I would like to help as many people as I can along the way. And so that is how I view life and kind of my, my purpose and, and what I enjoy doing. I mean, I guess any good story starts at, at the beginning. Um, but I, I took a very untraditional path to get to where I am today. I'll tell you that. Um, I, I, I actually dropped out of university. So I'm a college dropout, um, much to my parents' uh, disappointment, who thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, I was just a very argumentative kid, I think. So everyone who met me said, you're going to be a lawyer one day. Um, turns out that wasn't the case. And I remember... Uh, so I did go to some classes in university and I think it was a micro or macroeconomics. Can't remember which one it was, but they were teaching me like all about the ins and outs of business and what it meant to be in business and how to run a business and the math behind business. And I remember asking the, the teacher and I was kind of a, uh, a little shit, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Uh, I maybe wasn't as self-aware as I, I, hopefully I'm now. Um, and I asked, I was like, Hey, have you ever been part of a successful business or have you uh, built a successful business? And, uh, the answer was no. And so I never went back to that class and I never went back to any uh, <laughs> class after that. So what I did, class is, theoretical uh, business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. And, and there's a, there's an amazing place for academia and I think it's super important and I'm not against education in any way. I'm a huge proponent of education, but what I realized is there is other ways to educate yourself beyond the traditional, you know, school system. And I had known that I wanted to get into business. So my hypothesis at the time was, you know, why don't I go and try and start my own business? Um, and I can learn things as I go. So that's what I did. And 
I started a, a laundry subscription service for college kids because that was like the biggest, all I knew about business was that business solved problems for people. And that's the biggest problem I saw was everyone hated doing laundry, didn't want to do it. So we created this laundry subscription service called Dorm VIP, where you put your laundry out, you know, Saturday, we'd return it on Sunday morning with your laundry done, folded and some snacks and usually Gatorade because they were all hungover. So did that for, for a while, um, had some fun doing that. We ended up like selling it, basically just covered our costs uh, in like a, a year, um, was a little bit lost. You know, I've, I've bartended, I've served, I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and ultimately was serving drinks to a person at, at my bar one day. And he's like, Hey, I think you should probably get into sales. Um, I run a sales office. Basically it was like a, a travel agency pretty much. Um, but much more boiler room esque than I think your most of your travel agencies are, and, and was thrown into it. And it was making one hundred fifty dollars a day. Um, you know, very uh, quick sales cycles. Like you're getting credit cards over the phone. It was like, you know, the a not very good part of sales, I would say. But I didn't know any better, so did that and had a lot of success. Became number one uh, there quite quickly. Um, ended up. By the time I left two and a half years later, I was GM of the whole Canadian operation, you know, doing P&L finance stuff that I had no business doing, had no idea what was really going on, uh, but, you know, figured it out, ended up, and this is a pivotal moment in my career, was I kind of felt like I hit my ceiling. And at this point, I'm like 21 or something. So uh, I looked around and I saw that tech was booming in Vancouver, where I'm from. I'm Canadian. And uh, I, I saw that it seemed like some of the smartest people I knew were getting into tech. So I was like, I think the tech is like, I think that might be like the Super Bowl of, of sales. You know, that, that's where I want to be. So my little college dropout 21-year-old brain was like, hey, well, I've been a GM at the, of managing 14 sellers. You know, I'm going to rock up. They're going to give me a director position. Boom, it's all going to be great. Um, that's not the case. You know, if you ever know tech, tech's kind of, um, I don't know what the word is. Um, if you don't have tech experience, they don't really care about you because it's all, it's all different. So uh, I went to multiple interviews, had really unrealistic expectations. Finally, this one company is like, listen, like you can get a job as a VDR if you want. Um, I, I don't know if I'd advise it for you, but like, we got a we got a spot if you you want it i think you crush it and then comes this period of like serious self reflection of like okay do i take this massive perceived step back in my career um and thought about it thought about it ultimately took the job cut my earnings probably more than a half got rid of my apartment slept on a friend's couch um brody thank you Thank you for letting me do that for about six months. It was literally a one bedroom apartment and I tiny one bedroom apartment slept on the, the couch for like six months um, and took the job as a BDR. That was only five years ago. So five years ago, I'm sleeping on a couch as a BDR. Um, but I had these fundamental skills that I had learned already in, in sales. So first month on the job, I got the most opportunities of any BDR there. I was quickly promoted in three months to a more partnerships development role 
reporting directly to the, the VP of sales, uh, who you know very well, Mr. Dave Kennett of, uh, of Replays fame. Um, and so he, he kind of took the shot on me, took me under his wing. He taught me a lot of everything that I know today. Uh, and then was given the opportunity. I don't know who decided it was a good idea, but um, at another company to build out their entire business development program from scratch. I had no idea what I was doing, but uh, I leaned on resources like Sales Hacker, read every book, uh, and kind of just copied what people told me worked. And lo and behold, it it works. Um, And from there, built out a very successful program at a company called Media Valet, um, and then found my way to Sales Hacker after that, beat up 400 people for the position, um, and we grew very rapidly when I joined. We kind of switched from a conference business to a digital first business, um, closed multiple millions of dollars that year, signed Outreach as a client, and then Outreach acquired us in, in 2018. And that's the that's the quick story. And there's lots of ups and downs. And I'll tell you, you know, going back to the sleeping on that that couch and getting up every morning talk about having to be mentally tough and second guessing yourself every step of the way when you go from having a a nice apartment and seemingly in the eyes of others you're successful but you're actually miserable and there's that stopgap of you know taking some steps back in order to take 10 forward yep by the way folks for for anybody who wants arguably the best story ever written on how to get your dream job and beat out those 400 people. Scott Barker wrote that for sales success stories. And I was lucky enough to steal it and put it in my book called your (laughs) definitive sales career guide. So check out either one to hear more about Scott's, uh, the details around that. I thought that sounded familiar. Like, I think I've read this story. (laughs) (laughs) Try to figure out where to put it in our book. Yeah. All those things happen. Um, so men, I mean, just absolutely fantastic journey while you've been going through all of that and to kind of you know, start back to, psych. To, to tie in some yeah. health. I mean, man, you, you, lots of ups and downs. You took a lot of mm-hmm. risks. There had to have been, you know, dark days, bad days, days that you're like, what the hell am I doing along the way? I'm sure there was probably other things that went through your head during those times. Um, either yourself or what you're working with other people on, what, what are you seeing out there? What'd you experience that kind of, you know, were, were the, the more, um, the more struggles that you think, you know, could relate to some of the other people. Yeah. So a a few things there. And I think everyone in the the world struggles with, with mental health. Um, And it's a huge problem in sales because no one really talks about it. Um, And things like addiction and alcoholism are absolutely rampant uh, everywhere, you know, and I had my fair battles with that, you know, particularly, when you don't feel like um, your values are aligned with things, you know, I look back at the kind of boiler room esque jobs and things um, you mask it with alcoholism and addiction and, and whatnot. And then it can ultimately kind of bring you, bring you lower. Right. And then you, you kind of muddle through the weekend and then Monday hits you and you're severely depressed and severely anxious. um, But you have to somehow find ways to, still perform because everything you're you're benchmarked on is is on performance so i did i did that cycle for far too long you know too many years and finally was just like okay 
something's, something's got to give. I can't, I can't do this uh, forever. And that's when I started leaning into, you know, finding ways to, you're only ever going to be as successful in your career, the amount that you, you work on yourself. Cause even if you get success, you know, whatever that means to you, if you're not mentally ready and prepared for that success, it's actually going to be your downfall. Mm. Um, and one of the things I left out of my story, which is kind of important is, um, I was, uh, funnily enough, uh, a, a child actor in the, in the nineties, I did a bunch of like nineties hot wheels commercials and ring pops and stuff. <laughs> and when I came, I moved to Australia when I was 18 on my own. Uh, I came back. Um, this is before, um, you know, going to college in the story I, I told you there. And I came back and was given uh, this this kind of uh, money that I had made acting when I was 18. So I was given success when I had none of the the capacity or the, the tools, mental health tools to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself at some pretty dark, probably the darkest places ever then, because I was given perceived success from the eyes of like, the world and I had all this money and you find you're surrounded with bad people that are, that are just using you. You find your, your mental health suffering massively. And I blew all that money in like nine months and it was a substantial amount of money. Um, but I look at that now. Um, and I use that as a framework to, to think about how I think about my mental health is whatever next step I'm going to take in my career. I have to first be ready for that step. Um, and understand what that next step means and the sacrifices I'm going to make for my, your health, your loved ones to get to that next step. So my, my practice has done everything from meditation, you know, to journaling. Um, you know, last year I spent 10 days in the Amazon with, with shamans trying to figure out (laughs) what's going on. So I, I think, I'm constantly exploring, you know, who I want to be uh, before always pushing for that success. Cause if you only do success and your mental health, you're not working on that in, in parallel, you're going to find yourself in some, some weird waters pretty fast. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the reasons why we started this show is that there's, you know, often two things that people focus on. They focus on gaining lots of knowledge and mastering a craft and they often then forget that the mental health aspects that you're talking about and they get really, really good on one and really strong on one. But then when something yeah. doesn't go right or something changes in the world, they they'll hit a they'll hit a, a wall and mm-hmm. you won't be able to use all that knowledge and skill and things that you've acquired because mentally you're not in a place that you can use it. And no matter how good you are, those that, that ability becomes diminished if your mental health isn't there. Um, mm-hmm. so we, we created psych and sales to kind of balance those things and, and yeah. make that reality for folks. So, you know, you, you mentioned a couple things, meditation, um, hanging out with some shamans and then and soul searching, um, but highly, re- highly recommend Can't go too deep into that one, but highly we, recommend we, we've had some discussions <laughs> around that and then we can maybe unpack that in a second. But, um, when you are trying to get ready and, and to, for some actionable advice for people, it sounds like you're intentional. Like I'm hearing intentionality. You think about the future and you say, okay, I need to make sure I'm ready for this. Walk hmm. me through that a little bit. What do you do to get ready for that? 
Yeah, I think it's being intentional and actually taking the time. So first off, it, it's giving yourself the space to to think is not very common in our, our society. Chasing success, at least in our profession, is much more common. But what I you have to actually do the visual exercises of like, okay, what's the what's the life of the person who has that success that I think that I want? Right. And we look at success like, oh, it's just it's it's more money, it's more respect, it's all this, but there's incredible amount of toll and sacrifice that you have to have. So it is being intentional with your plans so that you don't just keep chasing this this unattainable goal um, because you're never going to never going to get there. So I would say giving yourself the time space to think, you know, do your five year plans. I did this literally on the weekend with my girlfriend. It's always going to change, right? And you have to leave room for nuances and change, but what, what does your life look like in five years? And sometimes you'll, you'll go through the visualization exercise and you pick, I don't, I don't want that. I'm comfortable. You know, maybe I don't need to be a CEO of a software company to be happy because the life of that person is not that fun. It's not that you're not enjoying yourself for a long time um, or even being a VP of sale or whatever it is, like think through what that actually means and the sacrifices you'll be making to get there. Um, and I do the same thing with my days um, I have a good practice of kind of visualizing how I think the day is going to unfold everything from, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to brush my teeth after I brush my teeth, what I'm going to do. Okay. Awesome. And then I'm going to have this shake and then, okay, here's a time. Oh, that there might be an issue with that meeting. I forgot about that, but then you're prepping your brain for all of these things. And it's one of my favorite exercises for, for stress management and getting ahead of things. It's just how like athletes do. And you can, you can do this. And honestly, it sounds like a long time to run through your whole, your whole day. It takes about two and a half minutes. Um, and something that I've had a lot of success doing. Yeah, man. I, and I got to relate that. And then I, I want to, you know, shift it over to Aaron, but, um, for me, I, I kind of have this constant battle of two paths in my mind. One path is, I really want to be a chief revenue officer because I love building things. Um, and I love, and I want to build something big and I want to, you know, eventually sell that thing and, and reap the rewards of building an awesome thing. Um, but then I also think, man, uh, that, that dream is a 10 to 15 year dream um, with lots of roads of failure, few roads of success um, and uh, lots of late sleepless nights away from friends and family and a lot of things to, to hopefully, you know, get a, you know, something at the end. And it sounds like a really fun yet scary journey. And, you know, I feel like I'm kind of on that path, but then I say to myself, man, I've done well for myself already. I can continue doing okay. And I mean, okay, as in like very comfortable by most people's standards. Um, mm -hmm. And then maybe retire, not with as much money, but I could retire earlier with my health and with, in a safe place. And maybe I live on the beach in Portugal. And just, and maybe just, I can just liquidate you know, and move to Portugal now. And to Portugal. <laughs> and then, you know, Dude, I'm, I'm with you. Know? That's what I'm optimizing for, man. <laughs> I'll see you in Portugal. All right. I love Portugal. So like, so like those are, it's, it's just weird. Like I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Like 
dreams are great, but what would it take to really get them and going through some mental exercises and there, that's, that's powerful, man. That's really good. Um, sorry. I, I know I've been talking a lot and I, I want to turn it to Aaron to, you know, ask questions and give some thoughts. Yeah. Well, and I think that aligns a lot to what I was thinking as I was listening to you, Scott. And, um, and it's funny cause David and I used to, to have theoretical d- differences of opinion around, you know, the value of someone becoming a beach bum for a living where he was like, well, that's just, it's <laughs> not successful. And now he's like, maybe I would want to just go live in Portugal on a beach now. (laughs) (laughs) So, But one of the things that really stood out to me that you were saying, and and I think that this is partially where David's coming from as well, is like making sure that whatever you're doing aligns to your values, right? And if it Mm -hmm. doesn't align to your values, even if it looks like success to someone from the outside or you're making a lot of money, there's often a feeling like something's missing. And then then you're probably going to be looking to either numb it with like drugs and alcohol, or you're going to be just completely stuffing it until one day you have a panic attack. And I've I've worked with people who that wound up being the reason for their panic attacks. Like it was this unattainable goal that they were just Mm -hmm. constantly striving for more and more and more. And it was all of the success, but none of their values were being lived and they just felt so out of touch with who they were at that point. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you brought that up. Am, Am I hearing you right with that? You are definitely. Yeah. When I look at all my, the roughest patches I've had in my life and looking backwards, you know, it's easy to see it now, but that's really what it was is my, my values were not aligned with my true values weren't aligned with what I was doing at the time. Yeah. I think that's huge. So something I would say any listeners, you know, something just doesn't feel off, you know, make a list of, of your values and then look at what you're doing every day and see if those match up. And if there's too much misalignment, you know, I think that's where a lot of breakdowns happen um, to people. Absolutely. Uh, And then you also mentioned like success, uh, being prepared for it mentally, right? I think sometimes, maybe even a lot of times people go and become successful and famous because they just, they're doing something they enjoy. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think this was the thing with Avicii and his, some of the things he's mm-hmm. done before he wound up committing suicide. Like, I just want to make music, right? I just want to do this thing I love. And now there's all of these expectations being put on me. And that's, that doesn't feel right. That's not in line with what I want for myself. And it's a struggle between being able to do what you want and also have that pressure put on you. And if you're not prepared for that, um, I think that, that that can be where a lot of breakdowns happen. And so people are like, what's that famous person have to feel depressed about? Look how great their life is. But, (laughs) but internally there's, it makes a lot of sense if you look at it from that angle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And then the, the flip side too is an exercise I'll do from time to time. And sometimes it's really freeing was when I, I think, you know, maybe I'm really stressed. I'm working on, you know, some project. I don't know if it's going to completely fail and, you know, I have a certain level of visibility and it would be awful if it did fail. And then, and then I think of like, okay, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario, I lose it all. I lose all my money. I lose all my things. I lose everything. And I go back and I'm, I'm bartending for a while or whatever. And it, it when you look at the Portugal. worst case scenario in Portugal, in Portugal, exactly. Like when you look at the worst case scenario, sometimes the worst case doesn't even seem that bad, you know? And we're so lucky, of course, to live in North America and have the systems that we have and the, the support we have. I have a, uh, 
Like not everyone has that luxury, of course. Um, but a, a lot of us do. And like going through the worst case scenarios and realizing like, I'd still have my, my friends. I'd still have family. I'd still have love in my life. Like it's all just a game we're playing anyway, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day and restarting the game isn't, isn't all that bad. I think Rockefeller lost his millions many times, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I love the idea, you know, uh, pre- prepare for the life you want, but also really make sure and ensure it is the life you want. Right. Um, yeah. And so some, some ways that people can do that and, and love to, of course, unpack it. Cause I, I think that's, that is a, um, that is a goal for a lot of people that were listening, that are listening. If you're an SDR listener, you probably want to be an AE, AE you're listening. Mm-hmm. I want to be a senior AE, enterprise AE, strategic AE. Then you want to be in sales leadership. Then anybody in sales leadership, you want to be a VP. Anybody a VP, I want to be a CRO. CRO, I want to be a CEO. CEO, I want all the money. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> like, you know, you, you go through these paths. It's never ending. It's never ending. And it's like, yeah, why? And what do you really want? And so some of the, the ways that I've, you know, validated next steps is by, reaching out to people doing that job now and just talking about what the life is and what sacrifices are and what goes into it. And, you know, really having an honest dialogue pros and cons of something like that. So that's, that's one actionable tip that you can, you know, have to make sure that really the next step that you want is really the step you should take. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, Scott, from your perspective, any, any recommendations or thoughts for the group? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great one. If you have people in your life that can be extremely candid with you about what, you know, the, the actual question I would, I would ask those people. So go find someone who's, you know, one of my favorite questions growing up was, Hey, I want to be you in five years. How can I make that happen? Um, it's a very powerful question. Um, and it got me a lot of amazing mentors, but, uh, another equally as powerful question when you're trying to test your hypothesis, that maybe that's where you want to go is ask, what did you have to sacrifice to get here? And that's what a lot of people will leave out when they tell you, you know, this is what I do and this is how it's done and here's my successes. Uh, but when you ask that that question, you'll get some some pretty crazy answers that pe- what people have had to sacrifice to to get to certain levels. You know, time with children, time with their wife, separation. You know, you name it, um, it's there. Um, so realizing what is on the table when you're when you're calculating your, your next steps. That's awesome, man. Yeah, definitely much better to think about it before you get there and then go, what did I do? (laughs) Yeah. And then you can get it and then you can get ahead of it. (laughs) Yeah. You can get, you can get ahead of it and you can get ahead of it too. Right. Like once you know that is the case, you can have conversations with, you know, the people you love or, or whatever it is or whatever you find out you need to sacrifice. So you can kind of get ahead of it, um, in a healthy way. So, man, we've, we've covered a lot. We've covered, hey, we, we all battle our demons as it relates to uh, addiction. Most salespeople are, we, we have some level of addiction. If it's not alcohol and drugs and shit, it's probably obsession and, you know, work. and work yes. or money success. or success. It's something. So we all battle it. We all battle on unhealthiness in our lives. So it's owning it, recognizing it. What do we do about it? And you brought up things like, you know, shamans or, or meditation or, you know, self-reflection and, and, and aligning to your values, aligning the values. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we covered, you know, just 
you know, career pathing and, and making sure you're ready for the next step and making sure it's the real one. So, I mean, we've, we've covered some good stuff that I think a lot of people, um, you know, mentally do struggle with and, and need to put some thought into to make sure they're choosing the right path, living healthy lifestyles, whatever that means to them. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately setting themselves up mentally for long-term what, what would be a happy life. Um, it's been a great talk. Why? I mean, and I don't think this happens enough in sales. Why, why do you think this is so hard for the sales community to, to embrace and, and for people just to be open and talk about? I think there's this false sense that it's, uh, and I think it is changing. I will say it's, it's changing. I've had more conversations in the last, you know, three years than I probably ever thought would be possible. Um, but I think there's like this, it's perceived as, as weakness, you know, when, when you've, when in what I think, you know, what I know to be true is that it's actually, you know, power, you know, like if you can own who you are and what you believe and, and you can talk about these things openly, like what's more powerful than that. Um, and it gives you this level of empathy with other people and understanding, um, that, people that are closed off can't ever, ever achieve. So I think there was this false, false pretense that it's, it's weakness when in, in reality, it's strength to be able to talk about this stuff. Man, I literally, I won't say it better than that. So I won't try. Um, but you're, <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. Uh, a lot of sales folks have a, a bravado that we need to be strong and we can't show weakness and, you know, we need to be the tough folks and, and all of those things. And the problem with that is we don't talk to anybody about it then. And it's not that I'm not saying everyone needs to go and gush about their lives on LinkedIn. Like, Hey, some people do, and that's great for them. Other people, you know, it's okay to not let everyone know everything. Um, but yeah, someone needs to, you got to have someone that you yeah. can talk to and lean on because if you don't, and you're constantly just stuffing everything down, if you think, and I, and I use this analogy earlier today. Um, if you think about like a, a pot of boiling water, if you just constantly are stuffing everything down, your internal temperature is rising and yeah. you go from one degree before boiling and you're, you're at the tipping point where you're not there yet. And then that one thing that even may not be a big thing, all of a sudden you spill over and you, you explode um, and, and negative things happen. So you, you got to constantly be turning down the temperature um, through talking. I'm wondering, and I know we've had this conversation several times and as we're talking about it today, I'm having a thought wondering, do you think there's any sense that it, from like an organizational or leadership, like just the culture of sales. It, it's like you said, very boiler room. Historically, it's very high pressure. Do you think that there's a sense that if we if we embrace mental health, that people just won't perform and we're going to kind of lose our edge and, you know, that it would wind up being a bad thing for the company? Do you do you see any mm -hmm. anything to suggest that? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, it's a misguided belief. You know, I've had, I've had leaders tell me to go max out my credit cards so that I'll be more incentivized to I have to go. You might have been one of those leaders early on. <laughs> I did that it's very early on. Very, I don't do that anymore. Very, very early on. I was like, what are you doing? That's how you get him to work harder. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that was my first I, I, job. I probably, I probably said that, you know, back in the day when I was managing, you know, too, because you just, 
it, you get told these stories, they become reality. And it, it's, it's so unbelievably debunked, it's crazy. Like Harvard Business Review came out with this thing that, that basically said happy, fulfilled teams um, grossly outperform the work hard, play hard mentality type teams where it's like, you know, win at all costs mentality. So, and to be happy and fulfilled, you have to have your mental health taken care of. You need to talk to people about it. And a point there I'll say to you is don't wait until something is broken. Like don't wait, like go get a therapist before you need one. You know, I'm constantly looking to not fix stuff, but optimize stuff, right? Once something's broken, it's much harder to come back from. It's going to take more time. But if you're constantly looking at how can I optimize my mental health? How can I get more sleep? How can I go to a therapist before I need one? How can I build all these tools for when the day comes that I need it? I am prepared. It's like going to battle. You're, you're getting prepared before you ever have to, to go to battle. I realized I like how that. expensive long-term therapy was. So I married one mm-hmm. instead. Um, so <laughs> just that's one of my recommendations. Anyone has I love it. Therapist. That's a good, that's a good takeaway. That's a good takeaway. Um, that's awesome, man. And I, I couldn't agree more. And hopefully the folks listening to hear this and take a lot of this away. If you're, if you're in a leadership or in a culture that is that old world mentality, um, you know, just, just know the impact it is likely having on you. Don't fall into it. Don't believe it. Don't carry it other places. And if you have an opportunity to go somewhere where it doesn't exist, you will be more successful and you will be mentally and probably physically and everything happier. Um, and also with talking about folks and getting ahead of problems, is not a sign of weakness. It really is a sign of strength. Um, you know, look at, uh, frankly, most of the successful salespeople that I know, successful leaders I know are embracing this way of life because we know that we can't, you know, win alone. I mean, look at any professional athlete. They have mental health coaches that help them on their mental game, not just, you know, the physical act of the sport. Um, so, Scott, amazing conversation as always, sir. It's always great to talk to you. Um, any, you know, where, where can people find you? Where should people reach out to you, um, you know, if they need some help? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, Scott Barker. I'm pretty busy on there. Uh, the forecast, I, I write. There's usually mental health components to a lot of the stuff I write. I've got a section that's just what's rattling around my brain. And a lot of this is just my my journey through life and how I deal with things. So um, check out that uh, as well. Awesome. Great. Well, audience, um, follow Scott, connect with Scott. If he can help you, I'm sure he will. Um, as always, great talking to you. Thanks for being on the show. And folks, as usual, um, do your best to stay happy, stay healthy out there. And if we can help you, you know, we're here for you too. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks everybody.